Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell. I'm a stage four colon cancer survivor, and I've got a message for other men. You don't have to go through this alone. What does it mean to man up to cancer? It means reaching out instead of isolating. It means having the courage to accept help along the way. To me, manning up isn't just about being tough. It's about knowing that we're stronger and smarter as a pack than we are as lone wolves. Hey guys, um, today I want to share with you a blog post that I wrote uh, earlier this year and one that really kind of captures um, one of the main challenges that I had and continue to struggle with sometimes during my cancer journey. This blog post is titled Men, Cancer, and the S Word. There's a scene in the 1979 film The Great Santini in which a father, a U.S. Marine Corps pilot named Bull Meacham, loses a backyard basketball game to his teenage son. It was the first time the boy had ever beaten his tough-as-nails father. Instead of admitting defeat, Meacham is enraged. He demands to continue the game. Win by two, the father says. When the boy refuses, Meacham bounces the basketball off his son's head. He does this over and over, following his son into the house. You gonna cry? Go ahead, squirt a few for me, he mocks. You're my favorite daughter. I swear to God, you're my sweetest little girl. It's an extreme example, but for a lot of guys I know, this is how they grew up. Don't be weak. Toughen up. Take it like a man. Those were the values passed from father to son, the cultural conditioning of the macho American male. The intent may have been well-meaning. Life can be unforgiving, and fathers feel obligated to prepare their sons for what lay ahead, be it war or hunger or loss. But the emotional fallout is often devastating. I've watched too many friends slide into patterns of abuse, broken relationships, self-destructive addiction. Forty years after The Great Santini was released, we're not as woke as we'd like to believe. We still raise boys to numb and bury their feelings. Through advertising, media, and the role models available to us in real life, men are conditioned to be tough guys, not whole human beings. So what happens to the American man, one who has been taught there is no hurdle he can't handle on his own, when a challenge comes along that he can't simply fix. What happens when he gets cancer? In a word, shame. The man who trusted his body feels betrayed by it. The man who had developed confidence in his environment feels suddenly and irrevocably lost. He's facing a killer disease that he knows nothing about without the language or tools to fight it. Now he's a patient at the mercy of doctors, insurers, and the healthcare system. I know what that helplessness feels like. Two years ago, at age 41, I was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. Over the months that followed, I grappled mightily with shame. The diagnosis and treatment shattered all the stories I had told myself about my security in the world. In the early going, a whirlwind of CT scans, colon surgery, starting chemotherapy, I put on my brave face and let people know I was going to beat cancer and get my life back. Wasn't that the script I was supposed to read? The male cancer patients shown in the media are relentlessly brave, optimistic, and inspiring. In magazines, in TV segments, on book covers, you see them continuing to care for their families, work full-time, participating in fundraisers, while slaying cancer at all turns. To put it mildly, I didn't look like that. Depression, anxiety, and fear sank their teeth into me. I turned inside myself and withdrew from my family and friends. I had been a professional writer for more than 20 years, 
and I couldn't write a sentence or make a phone call. In the summer of 2018, for days at a time, I would curl up in a ball on my living room floor. Weeping, unable to function, I would obsess over death, imagining I would have to say goodbye to my wife and our young daughters, abandoning them. It was wretched. According to society, I was supposed to be tackling cancer with positivity and determination. Yet there I was, a six-foot-four heap who couldn't even get up off the floor. It was a deep, dark hole, and I only saw one way out. I needed help. Fortunately for me, I grew up in a household where it was okay to ask for help. I had permission to be competitive while also having permission to cry openly, to hug the people close to me, and to tell them, I love you. So I began the process of climbing out of that hole. I went to group counseling, one-on-one counseling, and other programs at the Dempsey Center, a nonprofit organization founded by the actor Patrick Dempsey. I connected with people online. Through the Colon Club and then Colon Town, I met people around the country and around the world going through the same diagnosis and treatments. I found people to confide in about what it's like to be a parent while cancering. I walked or biked every day. I accepted the love of the people around me. It took time, more time than I wanted, but eventually my depression lifted. I saw glimpses, then full experiences of joy. I began to live with more gratitude, regardless of my prognosis, and the sharp focus on the present that comes with the revelation of life's fragility. My wife and daughters welcomed this version of me with open arms. I'm not the same as I was before. I still have holes that need mending, but hopefully in some ways I'm even more capable and loving than I was before this journey started. I write this post knowing there is a man out there facing cancer who's crumpled on the floor and doesn't know if he'll ever get up. If you're that man, I want to speak to you directly. I know how much you're hurting. As strange as this might sound, you are in the only place you can be right now. All your life you've been taught to be tough and to get through times like this on your own. You don't need to give up your toughness. You'll need every ounce of that. But this is not a road to be walked alone. You're going to need community. By accepting help as you face cancer, you will give yourself the best possible chance at physical and emotional recovery. Reaching out for help isn't weak. It might be the strongest thing you will ever do. So I'm here with Kellen listening to that blog post, and now we're going to just talk a little bit about it. I want to just start off by saying, I think a lot of people know me as this really outwardly kind of happy-go-lucky. People think I'm an extrovert and that I have the smile on my face and that everything's pretty positive. Um, so I think just admitting and talking about that shame, I think that was a big milestone in my own journey. And it's still hard. It's still hard to talk about. It's still hard to, you know, I think I've admitted it. I think I've, you know, done some healing, but it's still there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that the post was very clear about how that process of going through it is the only way is going through it. Like you didn't have an option to just pick up and figure out this new life. You had to go through these steps of reconciliation, grief. I think that there is something that when people deal with life changing as well as survival mode that you're going through, that they have to grieve an old life. They have to realize that they've moved into a new type of living 
and grieving that old life is part of the process. And I think that the form of depression and anxiety and all of those things that come with it bring that large level of shame. But I've heard a lot of experts talk about how shame in general is one of the largest things that we as a society deal with on different levels of our life. Mm-hmm. And combating that and moving through it and being understanding and kind to ourselves is one of the hardest struggles we have. And also to the role models, like I grew up in the 80s and like the things that were around me in my environment as a key man, G.I. Joe, um, superheroes, sports heroes, the type of people who would not even ever get cancer. And if they did, they'd, you know, will it away with their superpowers. But this idea of being all of a sudden going from feeling like, you know, I never felt invincible, but but feeling strong and capable and trusting of my body. And then all of a sudden I have this life threatening illness. It just... You don't have any context for it. And also you have these childhood experiences. And again, I was lucky because because a lot of my friends did have a dad like Bull Meacham who was constantly on them about right. being tough. Right. And I also think that your perspective of talking about how your thought process of if you passed and your daughter is having a life, I think that becoming a parent brings this whole new fear of mortality in general. I have never worried about my own health previously to having kids like I do now that I have kids. The thought of leaving your children in a world where they have to navigate a world without you is unbearable. Right. It's just, you know, and so dealing with a life-threatening diagnosis and having that be so forefront in your face is just... I, I haven't had to deal with that, so I can't imagine what that's like. I, you know, I I have had a life-threatening situation happen when I had my son. I was very close to not living through that, but mm. I wasn't aware of it in the moment <laughs> because <laughs> it was so emergency and I didn't have days to dwell on it. And by the time I realized the severity of what I had been through, I was through it. Well, right, but it still had that shock of recognition to you. Certainly that prompted a... a- You had a shift from that experience. Yes. I mean, I do find that my son's birthday every year is a weird emotional thing for me and I, that I wouldn't expect. And, and so, and as I mentioned in the post, it's like, so for me, when I got that life threatening recognition, like when I, when that hit me, my response to it was not what I thought it should have been. Yeah. And that's part of that grief cycle, right? That you have an expectation of how you handle things. Right. Mm. Self-identity is such a huge part of how we see ourselves and our confidence. You know, you have these things that you say bring you self-worth. And if those things get questioned at all, you start really not knowing how to define yourself anymore. Yeah, 100%. And when I got diagnosed and I started feeling like, well, how am I supposed to respond? This is how I'm feeling. And then I looked out at online or in books or magazines, the biggest model that I'm seeing for me is that ultra positive, you're going to fight, you're going to win, you're going to like just this relentless positivity. You wanted to see somebody on the floor like you were. Well, right. That positivity was not reflecting what my experience was, which led to that feeling of, well, shit. (laughs) Now, not only do I have this life-threatening cancer that's trying to kill me. I'm also failing at yeah, how I'm responding. You feel like, yeah, you feel like you're failing the system that's telling you that you're a warrior. Right. You're, you know, you want to be both, you want to have that dichotomy, but nobody's showing you the other side of it. Exactly. Right. There wasn't that other side, which was, and for a while I thought it was just me. Right. Like I, yeah, I really thought like that I was, I was the problem. I was the only, pretty much the only guy out there who was 
not responding the way I should because look at everybody else. They're just crushing it. Right. And I'm not crushing it. I'm sucking at this. I'm I'm checking out. I'm I'm struggling. And so for a long time, I, I was dwelling there in that failure. It's kind of, it reminds me a lot of how the term mom shaming is being used a lot now mm. in the media about how moms can kind of put outwardly this uh, view of like, oh my God, I cut my children's snacks into adorable shapes. And then the other mothers are out there going like, oh shit, like <laughs> I just gave my child five processed right. meals. I just Whereas, got out of bed. So it's kind of like cancer shaming, right? like where you feel like as a cancer patient, you should be a very strong representation right. of that. And so not being that you felt shamed by the media that was out there showing you what you should be. That's right. That's exactly it. And so the biggest thing for me that I needed to start Grieving that old Trevor and that life I had before was a huge part of that process. And then the shame was layered on top. So facing the shame was reaching out, accepting help. And there was one huge moment in all this that I want to get your thoughts on is, so I went to see a physical therapist and I was working on physical rehab, but turns out she was this magic person who also was dealing with the psychological stuff. So we'd be working on these physical things with my scars, really trying to work on my scar tissue from after my surgery surgeries. And, but all of a sudden working on that tissue, like it brings up emotions. And I was very emotional during these sessions. And what we started to get into was this question of what does courage really look like? And because in my mind, in my mind, it looked like those people like running marathons while doing, you know, this toxic chemo and like just crushing cancer. Like that's the way that I should be. And this therapist really, she brought me to this place that was like, you really need to question what it is courage looks like. And she told me the story of, she did physical therapy for a world war two veteran. He was at advanced age, but still healthy. And she talked to him about his experience in world war two. And he was on one of the boats, he stormed the beach at Normandy in the army and lost a ton of friends and lost people who were on that boat and made it out. And he told the story of when he got home from the war, he started readjusting to life and he and his wife had kids and he could do everything with the kids, but he could not change a diaper. And she kind of asked him, looks, so what was the whole deal with the diaper? He said, well, when they were preparing to land at the beach, the men around him were soiling themselves like losing control of their bodily functions. And he, the smell was like, was his like visceral response to like being in this horrible life threatening situation where your, your life is literally at stake. And so my therapist looks at me and she goes, so were those get emotional. I talk about this. She goes, were those men not brave? Right. You know, were those men not brave who were shitting their pants and going out there and doing it anyways? And and I don't get too far into this, you know, war cancer analogy, but to me, this is a fear analogy. Right. And it's a human response analogy. And her point was that you show up and right. you do what you what is required of you, even in the face of death. And sometimes just showing up is what courage looks like. And sometimes it can be messy, but you're there and you're doing it. I think honesty is also one of the courageous things that people can bring to the table is that no matter what they're feeling, being honest about it to themselves and to the people around them is hugely courageous because mm. I think what courage is thought of is kind of this stiff upper lip, right? Right, right, and, right. And like this idea of pushing through no matter what. And I think that's different than showing up and being honest about what the situation is like. Like that story, those men weren't 
kidding themselves that they were scared. They weren't kidding themselves that their bodies were physically showing them the terror that they were feeling. Yes. When presented with literally no choice. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, right. And it's this, it's that idea of this, this pitched in battle. Right. And again, people can quibble with the words, but I'm going to say that like you're presented with a battle that you didn't sign up for, but is your battle to, to go through and you may or may not make it out of it. Right. So that's when I really was like, you know what? I do identify with that term warrior, but again, in your sense of like that whole self warrior of bringing, bringing my honesty to it, but understanding that being scared that, that courage isn't about being scared. It's about being scared and rising to the moment regardless, right? Even when you don't have a choice. And also being scared, rising to the moment with all the complexity that that means. Yes. Not rising to the moment and looking like a Roman god <laughs> while you're doing it, right? Like as your blog post that you just read mentions, it's that you can look and feel how you need to through the process mm. and still be present in the process. Like you're there, yes. you're, you're doing it. It doesn't look awesome. That, like <laughs> Right. And to your point earlier on in this talk was like, that's what you have to go through. Some people right. have to go through that. I had to be on the floor in order to get back up. And so I want to say to those people, like if you're one of those guys with cancer and you've never felt that kind of... <laughs> you know, if you've never felt that shame or if you never felt that crushing, the, the crushing emotions... I'm not criticizing your path, but I need to be honest about my path and also being honest about the fact that I don't think I'm alone in that path. Right. I think there's other guys out there who in the in the private of night or in the private of the day when they're at home on their own are crumpled. And a year ago, you wouldn't have thought that you would be able to even evaluate it in the way that you were able to now coming out and saying, I can now evaluate it. I can now know that if I get there again, because, you know, we're human. Right. We have real waves and there is nothing that says any of us don't go back to a dark place that we were once before. Absolutely. And that's the thing. And and but now knowing that I have the resilience to go there and and make it out because like you said when when I was on the floor and couldn't make a phone call and couldn't write a sentence like I I literally thought that I would never get out of that hole. And now you have tools that you found through going through that. Right. And so the tools can look different depending on what your journey is. Those are my tools that worked for me in terms of reaching out. But that's what Man Up to Cancer is all about. Whatever your tools are that's going to help you get through and process what you're going through, then trying to be honest about them and access them, like (laughs) actually using the tools available to you, but you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what's out there for help. And, And there was a gap there in terms of being real and raw and honest about men going through cancer. That is something that that's what we're trying to work on here. Right. Yeah, I think it's great. And I think that one of the things that is always very illuminating to probably the men who need this type of support is you saying that there are always different tools that people need, that your tools might not be those that work for others. Oh, exactly. Right, exactly. And I've had guys say that to me, like, you know, you're not going to get me to sit down and talk about my feelings like in like a circle or something like that. And I was like, that's not... (laughs) if. For me, actually, that was one of my the greatest things. I did that, and for me, that worked. But I get the fact that that's not. Hey, if that's not your cup of tea, maybe something else is. Like we always talk about, like there's something, there's something there. But I think what it gets back to is acknowledging the hurt, because if you get diagnosed with a life threatening illness, there's hurt. Like that's part of it. Like denying that hurt and denying the struggle, I think, can lead to more <laughs> health problems. Right then. So just the first step, number one, is just saying, I'm hurting. And then the second step is, how? what are some of the tools in the box that I can use to process that rather than 
shut myself in a room and check out. Right. And it's, it's trauma. You know, right. I've, I've once heard that trauma is anything in your life that it can even be something positive, but most times it's related to something negative where it is, you have a before life and an afterlife of a moment in time. And that is trauma. So anybody who has been diagnosed with any form of cancer at any stage of cancer, no matter what it is, that diagnosis is trauma because you had a before life and you have an afterlife. Yes. And those things need to be reconciled with your self-worth, your self-identity and the life that you are now living. Yeah. And so I'm at the point now where I'm just like, I'm, I, in terms of this honesty of just saying, I feel good. I feel pretty good. Most of the time I have my emotions. I have my ups and downs. I don't tend to dwell in the negative places or those darker places that I did, but being open to that, like being, being open to understanding that I'm going to just have a full range of human emotions and being kind to myself around that. So I'm definitely not saying that I have anything figured out for sure in terms of the journey, but I do think that I can show others, especially if they're in that place where they are down on their knees and they don't think that they can get up. I'm proof that it is possible to be in that place and think, oh man, like this, I'm never going to get out of here. Well, you you can and you will. And I'm living proof that that can happen. So I want, you know, in terms of who I'm trying to encourage here, it's really myself from, from the summer of 2018, because I know that there's others who are struggling. Yeah. Well, and you know, now that you can't sleep any predictable amount of time, you're awake to deal with these issues for other oh, people. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, so good night's sleep would be would be wonderful. I'm still struggling with still struggling with balance, you know, balance yeah. in terms of getting enough exercise, getting enough good food, the family balance, and then the work balance doing the man up to cancer stuff and really pushing hard to help people like, it's just, it's a lot. And I find that sleep right now is something that is not um, hey, if you could ever figure out balance even for me that would be awesome i mean i don't i don't there is not a single person in my life i know that has it all balanced man like it it's a constant struggle life is hard life is hard right (laughs) and this is this is why i love having you be part of the shows because the themes that we talk about it's it's human themes yes like we are diving into the the lens of cancer but all of this can be applied to everybody Think about your own husband. Like he doesn't have cancer, but he has a health condition that has really challenged his identity. Right. And you've mentioned before that there's some shame issues around with him as well. Yeah. I mean, if he's unable to do his daily routine or help with the kids as much, or, you know, if he's going through a flare up of any kind during his, you know, ups Mm -hmm. and downs of his illness, he'll apologize to me, (laughs) you know, and which is completely unnecessary. Oh, been there. Um, and you know, it is something that I've noticed he does, you know, say, Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. I can't help out today. And I'm just like, you don't need to apologize. And I then also feel guilt and shame because I might be showing a frustration because I am extra taxed and extra stressed. And so it is a continuous cycle of us both feeling (laughs) shame and guilt about a situation that neither of us can control. 100%. 100%. That's my life all the time. Like I had bad side effects a couple of weeks ago. I had to go on anti-inflammatory prednisone for my side effects from my treatment. And then I couldn't play softball with Elsie and I couldn't do, help out with the house stuff because I needed to rest. And I feel, I still grapple with feeling ashamed of that and guilty. And I'm constantly apologizing. I, right. I'm going to make this up to you. Like, hopefully I won't have to have these side effects like long-term. And I, but true partnership means that it affects both of you and it's gonna, it's going to be challenging. 
So that is an excellent setup for a show down the road where we get into relationships and, and marriage going through this. We will be going there, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are <laughs> really looking forward to hearing about some of those impacts. Probably we'll do a series on that. Relationships and partnerships during cancer. So anyways, um, thank you for talking this out with me. As always, it's helpful, and hopefully it helps others. So we'll see you next time. All right, see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list, and subscribe to the podcast if you like where I'm headed with this. And check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open.